Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's February 15th, 2019. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Do we have any actual poker today on the show? I, I don't know. Well, you know, first of all, I was going to apologize. I didn't get you anything for Valentine's Day. I was going to get you those little candy hearts, but they don't make them anymore. So, so your answer is no. Yeah, <laughs> you want to talk about Valentine's Day? Not <laughs> just yeah. extending it out a little bit here. All right, good. <laughs> uh, no, I, I tried hard to find some poker news out there. I, mean, I guess we could talk about uh, Bergada trying to track down Phil Ivey's hundred million dollars, but that didn't seem like much of a story there. Yeah. And then there's also the the guy who settled for using a fake name in the World Series, but it was confidential, so that didn't sound exciting to talk about. So. <laughs> and yet we did. So we tried. We tried. So, yeah, there you go. There's your poker for the show, and now we're just going to bother on about us for the rest of the show. <laughs> we have no egos. <laughs> All right, well, Larry Negron, a 60-year-old retiree who learned to play poker from his son 10 years ago, turned a $25 satellite entry into more than $14,000 as champion of the Antioch Poker Tour Tampa Bay Downs. It was uh, Negron's biggest score, but his previous best, 10000 bucks, came after he won two satellites and sold one, meaning he got in for that one for 60 bucks too. A three-way deal that ended the event was costly to one of the players who turned down more money earlier, and a previous deal cost another player who balked several thousand dollars. And also was our first AUPT with Poker News Live reporting team on site, including our Wisconsin ambassador, Chad Holloway. We're a really, really good series. Had a lot of fun seeing some people that I hadn't seen before, and we love. Um, and uh, so all kinds of stuff to talk about there. So, Did you finally show up in your robe or not? I No, I didn't. Sorry. What the hell? <laughs> That's the whole point of it, being in the backyard. <laughs> so what was it like having uh, Poker News there? Ah, uh, it was great actually. I think people really enjoyed it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we, we've known Chad for a long time, and he's been live reporting for as long as we've known him. So I knew uh, he was gonna bring his A game there, and yeah. uh, his uh, person he brought with him was fantastic as well too. And uh, so it was it was kind of neat to see uh, the level of reporting that they were able to do there. That uh, I always wish we could do, but it's it's a little tough um, to do. Um, and obviously, yeah, I sat and. Talk to him all uh, all weekend, and uh, it's always good to to have uh, one of our ambassadors uh, close by to to chat with. So it was funny um, uh, swapping a lot of poker stories with him, and, and uh, during the week, so that was good. And I think people appreciated like getting uh, more frequent updates than it's possible uh, than it's been possible for us to provide as well, too. So awesome! That, that was awesome, and uh, they're going to be at all of our events uh, coming up uh, this year. So. Um, great way to follow on or have it, follow along the action or have your uh, friends and family back home follow along with what you're doing. Um, so that was cool. Um, but not as cool as this story. Uh, now, you know, I think uh, the last uh, Andy Tour event I came back from was Pearl River where I just raved about Terry Simpson and, and that great story, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that I didn't know that it was a story until I started talking to him, right? <laughs> uh, exact same thing happened uh, very early in the morning on Monday morning. <laughs> it was supposed to end on Sunday, but no, these players wanted to play all night, it seemed like. Um, but it ended in a, in a three-way deal, and we'll talk about that because there's some real interesting stuff about that, I think. Um, and then, uh, you know, so they divided everything up, and I'm like, hey, who's my champion? And they all point to Larry, who was the chip leader, and I'm like, great. Let's sit down and chat. And I'm like, I have no idea really what to talk to him about. He was very quiet at the table, just like Terry was at the uh, Pearl River table. Right. And then it turned into be a fantastic story. You got to love that? those things, don't you? That's why you talk to people, because everybody has a story. Absolutely. You can't so, just, here, here. you know, sit there and, and watch the stuff. I mean, there's something in there underlying. Everyone has something. You just got to ask the right questions. and So that's what you got. You got something good out of them. 
Yeah, because, you know, also, I don't think, I mean, people, I mean, I guess if you're a real poker guy, you like to hear all the twists and turns during the tournament. But for me, when I'm reading about these folks, I want to know about the winner rather than, you know, when they bluff somebody off of a hand with, you know, seven, six or something like that. Right. So it's good when they when we get stories like this. But um, so a couple of things I loved about this. I mean, one, uh, he said he was going to buy it again. The main event was only two hundred fifty dollars. So one of our most um, affordable buy-ins for a main event on the any poker tour ever right um and because they had five flights uh, it was a sixty thousand dollar guaranteed prize pool ended up being close to ninety thousand when it was all said and done so a really good tournament to enter and i was telling chad all weekend i'm like man if this wasn't my my, my tournament i would be in that man um and lots of our friends were in there dr frank was in there uh Pabu came back and made day two i haven't seen him in a while uh, a couple of folks from our cruises, Neil Lawson, who's been on a lot of our cruises, uh, he made it to the final table, finished 10th. So that was all fun. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so anyhow, uh, Larry uh, won. He learned to play 10 years ago, as I mentioned. So that's amazing to think. And you, when you see older folks, and he's 60, I mean, I consider myself old at almost 47 now. Yeah. Uh, 60, you kind of assume that they've been playing poker their whole lives, right? Um and, uh, no, it was 10 years ago, uh, roughly around the time that we were starting our magazine. It's the first time you started playing. Um, so that that's a great story in and of itself. But then, you know, so I asked him, like, hey, did you buy buy direct? Or how many bullets did you fire? And he's like, just one. And he's like, I didn't really fire one. And I'm like, oh, really? Tell me that. And he's like, well, I was going to buy in, but I, I entered this $25 step one satellite and advanced to that and then advanced to the $85 step two satellite and then um and then never had to re-enter in this one so now with the add-ons you some deal add-ons and stuff he actually spent 60 bucks to get in this tournament but not bad for walking away with more than 14,000 yeah it's like uh the moneymaker story only on a smaller scale but yeah, i mean that's some serious point the wrong place but yeah <laughs> serious uh serious cash for 25 bucks I mean, it's and insane. then when I thought that couldn't get any better, then he's like, I and I, I told him like, hey, am I am I guessing correctly that this is the, the biggest uh, score of your ten year career? And he's like, yeah. He's like, but I did have a ten thousand one not too long ago, and he's like, and I got another sixty bucks. And he told me the whole deal how he won a couple satellite seats and sold one, so he ended up his total outlay for that ten thousand dollars was sixty dollars. So if you're keeping track at home, he has turned a hundred and twenty five dollars into more than twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> Piece of cake. <laughs> That's the financial advisor I want, right? <laughs> uh, super nice guy, too. And then, you know, when we posted the story online, I had all his friends and family were all real excited about it, too. So that, that's always um, uh, great for me, too. And, you know, we just wrote this publisher column about how we started the magazine tour and for the everyday players, just like this podcast is, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then here's just an exact uh, example of what we were talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole reason why we're doing it. I mean, these stories are just as important, whether you're wearing million-dollar bling on your wrist and driving around in some Bentley, or if you're just, you know, average 60-year-old retiree guy from the local uh, Andy Up headquarters area, you know, it's just, it's a great story, and uh, he, seemed, he seemed resistant to smile for some of the photos. <laughs> well, yeah, these, these folks <laughs> never usually like to smile, but, uh, you know, I'm happy at least to let us take their photo, like, yeah. after this week, uh, didn't want their photo taken, so... Witness protection program strong here in the Tampa Bay area. <laughs> I tell you, that's not where I would move if I was in the witness protection program because you know there's still some mob around here. I think so. <laughs> I gotta tell you, if I'm winning fourteen grand after spending twenty five bucks, I'm gonna look like I fell asleep with a clothes hanger in my mouth. <laughs> well, and in his defense, it was like one a.m. too. We were all like, yeah, uh, that's true, tired too. So, but um. All right, so, so you mentioned we're not going to really talk about poker this show, but uh, here, here's something that I think um, obviously happened at the uh, tournament here, but I think is a good discussion to have for people as you go forward. Um, all these tournaments always have some sort of deal talking going on, right? So this one, it started six-handed. It was the first time I heard a deal. Somebody mentioned a deal. And at that time, everybody kind of seemed to be interested. And then, and of course, as uh, poker reporters, we love <laughs> when the deals are that early that I can get home and sleep because I had a long day. But uh, it was not to happen. Uh, the short stack, um, you know, they, they ran the ICM numbers, and, and he looked at what he was going to get. And, um, and I, I, I would have made the same decision, I think. I would have said, hey, at that point, for what I'm getting, I might as well take a shot that I can double up and move up a couple rungs, right? Yeah. 
He's like, but, you know, if you guys want to do an even chop, I'm totally in. And of course, nobody wanted to do that, right? So, uh, of course, when you turn down a chop, then you are the very next one eliminated. <laughs> and uh, I leave a couple, he left a couple thousand dollars on the table uh, by not taking the ICM deal. Actually, maybe not even a couple thousand, maybe a thousand or so, but whatever. It, it's good money, right? So, um, but that one, that one, like I said, I can't, I can't really fault him. I think I probably would have done the same thing in that situation. Um, then later, when, now that they're five-handed, they soon, <laughs> his seat wasn't even cold yet, Chris. And they're like, all right, let's start talking about a deal. Cause they thought he was the only roadblock to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I thought this was a really interesting deal. So, um, the short stack at the table now, the new short stack, um said hey all right you know we all seem to be happy with the icm last time but we have this uh, world championship seat that we got to figure out who gets it um i will be happy to get it's a 1650 buy-in i will give each of you 400 dollars if you give me the seat out of my share so they did the icm numbers and then he would give them all 400 on top of that um which i thought was a fantastic deal <laughs> for everyone everyone seemed excited about it except uh, one player who I think everybody at the final at, left at that time admitted was um, the best player at the table, and maybe even by far. I don't want to go that far, but he he certainly was the best player at the table, and uh, so all the eyes went to him because they all everybody else was like, "Hey, I'm in for that. That sounds good." And he thought about it for a while, and he's like, "You know, I really hate to ask for more money, but I I think I I think I should." And then immediately they're like, "Nope, this is a good deal. If you don't want it, we're done." <laughs> Boom, done. Right? Yeah. And, um, and at that point, so I, I was even talking to Chad about this afterwards, and I'm like, wow, um, that's a tough deal to turn down because it was he would have had well more than uh, second place money at that point. Um, now, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to criticize anybody for not taking deals. I know why people don't take deals. In this particular situation, I'm going to assume that he – said, you know, hey, I'm the best player at the table. Uh, why should I give up $5,000 of equity here, right? If I can run this thing and win it for 19000 why should I settle for 14000 Yeah. Um, but you're, you're asking a lot of yourself, I think, at that point, five-handed um, with the blinds getting up at that that, that level um, to actually pull it out. I mean, the only way you're going to make more money than that deal is to win the whole thing or let another one or two people get knocked out and hope that the ICM punches you up a little bit higher, right? Yeah. Um, so it really seemed like a long shot plan there, and I'm like, I, I would have taken the, that deal in a minute, but um, but he didn't, right? So they, they went back to playing, knocked out a couple more players, played three-handed for quite a while, and then it was the same player who turned down the previous deal and said, all right, I'm ready to make a deal. <laughs> And he's like, all right, we'll just do an ICM. And he's like, um, and if no one else wants to go to California, um, I'll give you both 500 bucks off of my share, and I'll take the seat. And then Larry and this other guy, Bill, both were like, yep, yeah, absolutely. We'll do it. Now, mind you, they made this agreement before they ran the ICM numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a cautionary tale for everybody out there. If that's the kind of deal you want to make, I would make it contingent on seeing the numbers or let's say, let's see the numbers first and then start making these negotiations, right? Yeah. That didn't happen here. And then when they ran the ICM numbers, they real um, uh, the player that offered it realized he was actually third in chips and he thought he was pretty even or even above the other folks. And then his ICM number was actually 3,000 less than the deal he turned down oh. earlier in the night. And then he's like, oh, well, I don't think uh, I want to do that. And then the other guys were like, what are you talking about? You agreed to it. You can't renege now. And then he eventually um, um, decided that, yeah, he couldn't and took it. And I'm sure he's probably pretty upset at himself for either uh, uh, certainly not for not asking for the icing numbers before agreeing it. And two, maybe for not taking the earlier deal. The earlier so, deal, yeah. Um, just really difficult things. I mean, you know, I haven't been in a situation with that much money on the line where, where I'm making these deals and trying to decide whether I should take or not, take it or not. But I think it's good for all of us, and most of us listening here, you know, we, we don't have a lot of experience playing for that kind of numbers, right? Um, to start thinking about when you when you think about these deals, you know, re- really be honest with yourself on where you think you could end up in this tournament when that skill comes or, or that, that deal comes. And it might be a better deal than what you could get on the other side of it. Um, and certainly not to agree to anything unless there's hard numbers on the table. Well, the thing is too, is if you're going to be that stiff on it, then 
then just see it through like Barry Greenstein and just play and, and, and deal with the consequences. Then you can't feel bad about it. You just say, hey, I don't do deals. Um, but if you're going to, you know, turn down that other deal because you think you're going to beat four other guys, you know, that's that's either really pompous or just really crazy. And if somebody's offering you a deal and you do take deals, think real long and hard about it. This guy cost himself a few grand. Yeah, absolutely. Unreal. Yeah. Certainly think he regrets it, but. Um, all right, so our next Annie Up event will be the Annie Up Spring Poker Classic at the Guiva Hotel and Casino near Phoenix, March 23rd to 31st. I'll be out there for all of it, so hopefully see you guys out there. they got a lot of interesting um, events on that schedule. they got a horse in Omaha, and I'm hoping to get a short deck in there as well, too. And another affordable main event. I think it's a 360 buy-in for 75000 guarantee. So should be a fun time. Um, and it's right at the end of spring training. So if you want to go out there and catch a baseball game, get out there early. Yeah. I get there the last day of it. Cool. <laughs> see a game. But uh, more details on that at antiupmagazine.com slash Gila River. And Gila is spelled with a G, G-I-L-A, river.com. Right. All right, um, and then another great story, and, and this one really blew me away this year, Chris. Uh, our Restock the Shelves Food Bank Initiative of Blue Shark Optics uh, once again shattered a record. Um, oh, and I forgot to put the numbers on there. So it's uh, around 124000 or something, right? Right. <laughs> I'm back and put that on the show notes after I got it all up. But oh, hold on, here we go. I got it. Uh, 123,441 meals provided this year. Uh, last year we were blown away because it was uh, just above 90. So we did, gosh, 30, 40% better this year. Yeah, it's crazy. And I will say this with fewer rooms. We had a couple rooms drop off and then participate again this year. Um, so all that was done with just 20 rooms this year. So if you think about that, that's that's remarkable. 5,000 meals provided in every room on average. I mean, obviously, some provide a lot more than others, but absolutely um, incredible. And the total over the five years we've done it now is just north of 418,000 meals provided uh, all across North America. So if you went out and participated in any of these events, uh, we really much, uh, very much appreciate it. Certainly, if you hosted one in your poker venue, uh, we appreciate that as well, too. And obviously, we'll keep doing it every year and get you join on um, for next January. Um, and as I posted on my personal page, too, I mean, it really was a bigger deal this year, I think, because you know, the whole reason we started this um, was that, you know, I volunteered at a lot of food banks. And I know that, you know, in December, everybody's super generous, right, because it's mm -hmm. holiday season and happy to donate food and money. Um, and then they, they try to give that stuff out to people because they want everybody to be um, – uh, fed during the holiday season and then comes january and all of a sudden everybody's tapped out no one else is donating now but uh folks are still hungry so that's the whole reason we uh recreated it and called it restock the shelves and then this year on top of everything else government shutdown happened and what was that for 25 30 days or so yeah it was a month uh, people weren't getting fed and uh, one of the bigger stories that came out of that i think is how many government workers and not just government workers but contractors for the government or uh, paycheck to paycheck, and we're we're lining up at food banks to to get a little something to help get them by until the government came uh, back open. So, um, if you think about it in that terms, it's always this is always the hardest part of the year for food banks, and then a huge additional stress was placed on them this year. So the fact that um, all the folks that participated came out and, and did such a good job for us this year really made a bigger difference, I think. You know, and when it's happening, uh, I texted you, and you're like. You're like, dude, I was so worried. And I'm like, what are you worried for? We're still, this isn't like we're like not going to make our bills or something. This is, we're trying to do our best to help people. And whatever we do is still helping. But you're like, I'm so worried we were going to do worse than last year. And I'm like, it, no one's keeping track of these things, all except for you and me. I mean, don't be worried. We're still helping. <laughs> Very true. I know. I know. But, you know, hey, we're, we're in the poker business, right? We like to win, right? Yeah, that's we true. don't like just cash. That's so. True. You know, I was playing the playing the tournament to win here. So, <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you now, it's going to be. I'm already. If you're already worried about me stressing this year, wait till next year. Now, because, <laughs> you know, when I told you, I'm like, I got to. You know, I was worried we were like, like sixty thousand meals with only a couple of rooms left, and then all of a sudden, huge numbers were coming in, and we we blew past ninety thousand. I'm like, Whew. and then 
even more kept reporting, and I'm like, whoa! So we definitely got to work out uh, cut out for us for next year. So. <laughs> All right, any update? Scott will be one of the celebrity bounties in the 50K Guarantee inaugural Golden Tap Tournament this Friday. That means uh, the day after tomorrow because we're taping early today, right on a Thursday. That's true, so you got time to get out there. Yeah. Uh, officially open Hummel's Casino Poker Room just outside of San Diego. Other bounties include ESPN's Norman Chad, pros Tiffany, Michelle, and Eric Lindgren, local radio hosts Ben and Woods, and Thunder Valley Director of Poker Ben Irwin. For more info, uh, go to Hummel Casino. That's J-A-M-U-L. C-A-S-I-N-O-S-D dot com. Yeah, and I messaged uh, Ben this week, and I'm like, uh, I was billed higher than he was. <laughs> and he was listed as poker industry strategist, which I thought was a great new term. <laughs> and then uh, we were both billed higher than Eric Lindgren, and I thought that was pretty cool. But awesome. As Eric signed his contract after all of us, I think. Still, <laughs> so, maybe people are better. But. Come on uh, now. Come on. Also... Uh, Annie Up is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the Texas Poker Championship, a series of four tournaments in four Texas poker clubs in March, May, August, and December to help fund the Social Card Clubs of Texas organization. Each series features day ones at Texas Card House in Austin, poke, Post Oak uh, Poker Club in Houston, and SA, uh, SA Card House in San Antonio, with the final hill that one of the three clubs. The, the, fine, the first series is March 1st to the 9th. Uh, and more for more details, visit socialcardclubsoftexas.org. So this stupid Siri bitch in the background is fuck, <laughs> it's just driving me crazy because she's talking. Every time I say the word series, she thinks I'm saying serious. Or Siri, I mean. Hear her? Can you hear her in the background? Yes, yes, we can all hear her in the background. It's driving yeah. me crazy. <laughs> stupid phone. So from now on, don't let me read anything that has that word in it. I, I thought you were moonlighting as Judy from Time Life there. It's all magazine descriptions on the side. Uh, and then finally, we love hearing from our fans. So if you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com or post in the Antiup Fans group on Facebook. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been, email us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. comes from some guy named Vic. says, it's 3 a.m. in a 1-3 no-limit game in Mississippi Casino, and seat one is getting drunk. Cocktail. It's not me, I promise you. I promise you. <clears throat> Cocktail servers continue to serve him. Dealers continue to deal to him, and players are looking to double up off of him as he sits with more than $3,000. His opening raises have ranged from $26 to 400 At one point, he opened for $85 out of turn. The player he skipped over in seat one raised, in quote marks, to 200 I say raised because it was only $3 to him, not 85 The drunk guy folds but doesn't retrieve his $85 bet. The rest of the table folded, and the dealer shipped his $85 to the winner. When asked if the $200 bet changed the action, she said it had. I then asked why she sent him eighty-five dollars to the sent his eighty-five dollars to the winner. She said he hadn't pulled it back. Another time, he was facing a hundred and sixty-five dollar bet. Counted out the call, put the chips in his fist, and slid them and his cards into the muck simultaneously. Finally, he was felted, and he uh, rebuys for three hundred bucks, and then goes all in for that three hundred. It folds around to a guy who wants to call, but first asks to see the three hundred. The drunk goes into his wallet, finds it empty, and says, "I don't have it." The dealer allowed this? I can understand that the dealer works on tips and knows that the players want the drunk in the game, but at what point does the dealer floor and casino have an ethical or legal obligation to stop serving a player or to escort a drunk from the property? Yeah, very good question, Vic. All right, Elliot says, uh, laws and regulation regarding the serving and consumption of alcoholic beverages vary from state to state. The challenge is getting tipped employees to correctly enforce these. In many places, cutting someone off from alcohol also means the person must leave the premises. Servers and dealers uh, depend on keeping the regulars happy, and the way to do this that night was to keep the drunk in the game until he was broke. Sending a player off when he has lots of chips is really hard to do, and he is a great tipper at potentially feeding chips to players that will play every day. That doesn't make it right, though. I believe that players who have drunk uh, dr drank too much need to be made to leave regardless of their stack size. Rules need to be enforced fairly and uniformly for several reasons. The most important is that an opportunity for a tip today can be a termination tomorrow for opening the casino to unnecessary liability. Imagine if there was a, uh, if they had one of those breathalyzers at the table for poker. Yeah. You know, they, they'd increase the amount, you know, than they would for driving, but are you 
Are you sober enough to play cards? We'll put you out of wow. point point two or something. You know, there, there would not be a lot of poker games there going. Was, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this is a tough one because you know, one, you have to. I mean, again, I agree with Elliot that there there there's definitely a liability involved if you allow people to continue on. Um, but you have that that situation where obviously all these players wanted his money, right? So. Now you can up, you'll upset them if you're doing the right thing by the guy who really is lost the capacity to know that he shouldn't be there, right? You know, mm-hmm. all of these things he explained to. Well, obviously, this guy has lost his capacity to play the game, so um, should be moved from. Um, now the liability part too, I think where it, where it gets interesting with that is there's more of a liability at the casino if a player has driven there and potentially could drive home, versus. If he's staying in the room, a hotel room, he just has to make it up an elevator and remember what room he was in, right? <laughs> a far less liability at that point. Not saying that there isn't liability, but um, so, you know, I, I think our assumption usually when we see somebody like that is, boy, how's he going to get home? I hope he doesn't drive. You know, hope he has a friend here or calls an Uber, but he's so drunk he probably doesn't know how to call an Uber. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, layers to this onion here. Um but, you know, it's also dependent on players to speak up, you know. You know, I, I would argue in this situation, if a couple of players told the dealer or called the floor and say, hey, this guy, you know, hey, I, I'm happy to take this guy's money all night long, but um, he clearly is not operating at a reasonable level here, and I think it's in your best interest to get him out of the game, then they would have got him out of the game, right? right. But I'm going to assume that no one said that. And uh, the dealer was fine with it, and the cocktail server was fine with it until someone said something. So you know there is some responsibility on the other players here to to um, take care of this gentleman and, and not necessarily try to fleece him. But you know he sat at the table and sat at the table. He's uh, it's all fair to take his money, I guess. But yeah, you know, if we're truly concerned about it, then I think somebody should have spoken up. All right. We're going to learn what O'Malley's move was. Here comes part one. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we are seated in a 25-cent, 50-cent PL08 home game. We know this home game. It usually runs six-handed, and it's split down the middle. Three know what they're doing. Three are natural hold'em players who can get huge stacks or get into a lot of trouble. The blinds post. The under-the-gun calls. This player started the hand with 125. He is a natural hold'em player who plays way too many hands in PLO8 and overvalues them big time. It's hard to put him on a range because what he thinks are good hands, I wouldn't necessarily consider good. We get two folds and are on the button with 175, up 75, and the ace of spades, queen of hearts, jack of hearts, four of spades. This is a good hand, especially six-handed. We are going to make a raise. We bump it to $2. Hopefully, this will get out any ace trays and get us heads up. We get what we want as the blinds fold, but the under-the-gun calls. The pot is 475, and the flop is interesting. The queen of spades, queen of clubs, tray of diamonds comes down. The under the gun wastes little time in betting pot, 475. We triple his bet and make it 1425 to go. I'm pretty sure we're ahead here. We flopped top trips, top kicker. We have a backdoor nut flush draw and a backdoor low draw. We're really only behind trays or queen tray, and while those are certainly likely, I'm thinking that's more monsters under the bed. Our opponent slows down for a minute to think and then calls. With 3325 in the pot, the turn is the five of hearts. This is an interesting card because it puts a low draw out there, but really doesn't scare me too much. However, our opponent once again leads out for $20. I could be wrong here, but I just really don't think he has a full house. He typically likes to trap with boats. However, I'm not feeling confident enough to raise. We call. The pot is 7325 and the river is the 10 of hearts. Our opponent bets $40, leaving him about $48.75 behind. So, if we call and lose, we are down to $98.75. The pot is at $113.25. What's the move? 
Well, the ten on the river increases the chances of a boat for our opponent, but I just can't get it out of my head. O'Malley's description of this player as someone not experienced with Omaha and who overvalues hands. That being said, it's hard to imagine that he would uh, be this aggressive with anything less than a queen in his hand. So do we think he has king-queen, even a worse queen? Uh, we put too much money in his pot to fold now, but there's enough doubt swirling that I'm not going to raise. I'll call. Uh, and I don't think he boated on the river because of the big bet on the turn. Um, I'm still I'm confused on how they were able to bet $14 on the flop. <laughs> At most, there was like 5 bucks in the pot, and it was PLO. <laughs> So I'm not sure how that happened. Uh, anyway, uh, we might be behind a random boat uh, before the 10 came, so I think a call is in order. Here comes part two. Hello again. This wasn't as difficult as it may seem. If we know this player, which I do, this player is not trying to set a trap here since he's bet every street. He thinks he has the best hand. Knowing this player, if he had a hammerlock on the hand, he would have slow played it. I'm guessing the strongest he can possibly be is tied with us at some kind of ace-queen. No lows got there, so he isn't playing that, and if he had a full house, he would have slow played at some point. The thought of Queen-10 does flash through our minds, but I figure that's a risk I'm willing to take. I think we're ahead. We call, and our opponent tables King-Queen-9-7. Fantastic. Ship it. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying PLO8 is a dangerous game, especially without the nuts. Make sure you know your opponents before you get into a difficult situation. I hope to see you on the felt. All right, interesting that O'Malley correctly deduced that he was ahead but didn't raise. If I was that confident, I think I would have raised, wouldn't you? Yeah, maybe. I still applaud the call, though. I, I, I still can't get past this. How could he bet so much? I, I don't know if I'm ever going to learn the answer to that. I, I don't know. <laughs> I can see at the table. Why so much? Why so much? Can't, oh, but he, he's not like, allowed to I'm bet that much. Why, so, why you bet so much? I'm asking you how you bet so much. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to figure it out. It's a 25 50 cent game, right? <laughs> It folds to the button, make, we make it two, we get a caller, so there's four and then some blinds, maybe five bucks, so then he bets 75 cents, so even if you call the 75 and the center's out to 650, you can make it 650 more on top of that, it's like seven bucks, how do we make it 1425? I'm lost, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I still agree with the call, I, I don't think of how confident I could be in a game like PLO. No, again, I, I don't think I was that confident. I don't think you were that confident. Yeah. But I'm arguing if O'Malley was that confident, and he sounded like he is at that point, I don't think we can just be happy that we've deduced that we've got a better hand at that point. Now, if we had a better hand, then, then we have to raise, right? So, right. I mean, maybe maybe there's more doubt in O'Malley's mind than you let on there, but uh, he certainly sounded confident that he had figured this guy out. And that's the case. I mean, this guy obviously was overvaluing his hand the way he was playing it, so he certainly would have called a raise, I think, from us. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'm happy that we won, though. Uh, but it's it's tough to it's tough to do that because in a PLO eight game, you have random low cards in your hand and random high cards. Easily, somebody could have queen tray or queen, you know, queen tray or queen five. So sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the river. I don't think the river would have beaten us, so I was happy with because of a turn bet. But um, how about we won? So that's always good. It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcastdannyupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And why do I get to read that this uh, week? Those are my lines. <laughs> because I have the hand of the week. <laughs> Actually, this comes via our uh, intrepid Central Florida ambassador slash columnist slash Lance, Mike Faso. Our good friend Mike Faso uh, has been taking his uh, Central Florida uh, ambassadorship very seriously, and uh, we love it. And he uh, actually got to interview uh, the winner of the Super 7s tournament at the Tampa Hard Rock. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm believe, I believe the guy's last name, it's Hunter, and I believe it's Sitchi, but I'm not sure. Uh, could be Sishi. Um, but, uh, he won the tournament, and after, uh, Mike interviewed him, he had what would we, we, I guess what he considered his key hand. Um, and he used, like, the, he did a hand history on Poker Bankroll Tracker and all that sort of stuff, but. Oh, okay. But I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read it to you, and we're going to see how you do. With the uh, HOTW hat on. Now, I'm at a serious disadvantage here because, one, uh, I'm never on this side of it. Right. Uh, two, I 
terrible at poker. So those two <laughs> things combined, I got a lot going on right now trying to figure this out. So well, just know that as yeah. I read through this, I was like throwing terms into like Google to see what the hell he was talking about, and then like <laughs> wasn't really sure. And so I don't know uh, how foolish I am. Like I'll explain later some of the things I did that were so foolish, but. Uh, this so here's what's going on with 16 players left. He gets involved in a very difficult situation uh, with Anthony uh, Dianati, which I believe that person may have played our one of our any up events. Yeah, I maybe think he, um, I think he probably made the final table. Yeah, I think it. he made the final table. So this guy is just on a roll in our area as it is, um, and eventually uh, Hunter beats Anthony uh, in the end, heads up to win the title. But this hmm. hand came on when there were still 16 players left. Okay. Uh, okay, so here we go. It's Nolan Hold'em. The blinds are 5K, 10K, 10K. All right. Okay. It's pre-flop. Folds to Anthony, who has 319K in the small blind. He opens to 30K. We have 430K in the big blind with the king of hearts, Jack of Clubs. Hmm. What do we do? All right. Well, uh, fans of our show know that we often openly mock people that play King Jack, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a big trap hand. Um, although, that was the big major hand that our uh, Larry Negrin, our winner at Tampa Bay Downs. <laughs> That's true. It's on the cover. Yeah, so it's going to be on the cover next time. So, uh, joke's on us. Um, but no, uh, seriously, I, I do think it's a trap hand usually. What's different here, though, is now we're in a blind versus blind situation. Um, so the small blind could have anything. Generally, when, when very good players um, and even players that know that we're not good, like me, <laughs> right. uh, we're not going to – I usually always, always raise in this situation no matter what I have because – Whatever you have is probably better than a random hand that a big blind has. And, you know, if you can take down the big blind, that's great. And if not, he took a stab at it, and and you'll see what happens, what develops on the on the river. So I, uh, I'm almost always going to raise here. So now if I'm in the big blind and I'm facing somebody that I think is always going to do that, my king jack actually is better than it is normally. Um, it's still going to be a trap hand, um, but uh, but knowing that my opponent has such a wider range here, uh, I think I'm going to call here. And the reason I'm going to call rather than raise is because we're in position. So let's make the small blind, make some mistakes here, and um, and not put ourselves in the situation of making a mistake. So I'm going to call. Okay, you're going to call. Um, here's what I'm going to do. He has his own analysis that he basically broke down into five parts, but most wow, of it, better. Most right, of it well, comes at the end. So instead of me fumbling through it, I'm going to let you know what he said. Okay. You're going to let me hang myself. Yeah, I'll let you hang yourself, which you'll have me do for 10 years. So he (laughs) says, nowadays it's hard to determine someone's small blind raising range because Uh some some people use a limp everything strategy, some people use a raise everything strategy, and some people use a very complex open raise slash limp fold slash limp call slash limp raise strategy. (laughs) So he decides to defend his big blind. All right. He doesn't raise. He just calls. He right. just calls. So we're looking at his 30 plus the other 30, 60 plus the blinds, uh, the, the, what do you call it, the 10K the big blind, blind. Annie. So it's 70. 70K in there. Yeah, 70K in the middle. All right. Flop comes King of Diamonds, 10 of Diamonds, 5 of Diamonds. <laughs> All right. So the pot is 70K. Anthony, who has 294K, bets 20,000. Twenty thousand. Hmm. Right, we have four and ten k left, and it's on us. Um. All right. I think there's two things we can do here. I'm not folding here. Uh, we got top pair, and and heads up a decent kicker. Um, full ring, not not a decent kicker, but decent kicker now. Obviously, there is a there are diamonds already out there, but we're up against one hand, not a bunch of hands, so I'm a little less worried about that. Um. Certainly a possibility of a straight there, but we've got a blocker to it. Um, so I'm a little less worried about that. I want to keep – I'm going to call here, I think, to keep the mystery alive. And, you know, I mean, you can make the argument you need to raise to define where you are now. If a raise, if he doesn't have any diamonds or anything like that, um, he might fold right here and you take up a nice little pot. Um, 
But I actually, I'm going to say the the chances of that we're ahead are higher than chances we're behind right now. So I think I'm just going to call and uh, and it, that'll give him no information, and then we'll see what he does on the turn. I love how you brilliantly deduced that. You said, you know, we're not folding, so there's two things we could do. It's amazing. We could <laughs> raise or call. That You're so good at this hand of the week stuff, Scott. i got to tell you. Oh my gosh! Sheer brilliance. <laughs> so our hero Hunter uh-huh. has four hundred and ten k. He raises to fifty k. All right. Well, that was one of the two options, as I mentioned. <laughs> Man, you are spot on today. You don't even need me. So Anthony calls. Now this is what Hunter had to say. Anthony's small C bet is designed to do two things. First, it denies equity to my non. Then he says XDXO combo which means any one diamond and random other card. But what I typed into Google was, what does XDXO mean? <laughs> that one I knew. I'm sure the other ones I won't. So he meant one diamond and then one random card combos when he's semi-bluffing. Second, it put it punishes me for floating with a weak random diamond, random offsuit card, uh, any of those combos, because those hands are crippled by many of his value bets and strong semi-bluffs. The only way for me to counter this strategy is to raise small with a huge portion of my range. Then he's supposed to call with almost every hand he C-bet, and that leaves both of our ranges very undefined on the turn. So mm-hmm. they're looking for that ambiguity. Yeah. All right. So that way you might later on not want to commit your whole stack to it because you really don't know what the person has, maybe. That's what I'm thinking. So. Interesting. I still think there's ambiguity in calling, but hmm. Hmm. But he's assuming by his bet that he has to call and he won't get raised again. So, I mean, again, obviously, phenomenally better player than I am. So, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess he said, you know, you can't float there. Um, well, I guess my call wasn't so much a float because we we have a made we hand. We have a made hand. Yeah. So. All right. But, hmm. All, all right. right. All right. So we go to the turn. Pot mm-hmm. is 170,000. Okay. Six of clubs. So now the board reads king of diamonds, ten of diamonds, five of diamonds, six of clubs. And Anthony, with 244K left, checks. Checks now. Hmm. All right. Well, we – so the hand's a little different for me now because we raised on the flop. So that puts a little doubt in our opponent's mind. So in that sense – uh, it, it, had we played it my way, I'd probably be checked behind here and try to get him to um, what I believe bluff at it on the river and get some more money out of him. But since we raised, that changes everything. I think we got to keep the pressure on now and act like our hand is stronger than it is. Okay. So 170 in the pot. Last bet was 50. Probably 80. Okay. Uh, our hero bets 65k. Okay. And his check raised all in for 244k. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, what do you do? Alright, well, let's see. Uh, so we started this hand with more than I'm going to figure out what happened here. Well, we uh, had 360k when it started. We bet 60, so we roughly have 300 left. Oh, so it would leave us about 50 so or so left. Yeah. So, so and since he went on to win the tournament, there's no way he called this and lost. So, <laughs> you can't use that as your information. <laughs> That's not right. So he either folded or got this right. But no, he eliminated the other one. Oh, all right, so now I know what happened here. Okay, so um, wow. All right, so you went again. I go back. Again, so we still I have we still have a hundred and something left if we lost because we already bet sixty five. So we would have a hundred and what looks to be about 16k left if if we lost the hand. Okay. Well, again, I admit I am on a far far lower plane than these two players, right? Um, but again, I to me, it, this was our normal hand of the week from one of our uh, everyday listeners that is on the same level <laughs> as we are. I would go back to saying this is why I wouldn't have raised on the flop and and open that up. Because if we hadn't done that, then he had no idea where we are in this hand at all and may not feel emboldened to move all in here. Right. 
So now we're put to a test. And again, this is the problem, right? You always want to avoid not being put to a test. You want to be the one putting other people to a test. Um, hmm. All right. So the problem is we're in the blind. So we can have anything here. How are you feeling? <laughs> you like this side of the, of the I know. Coin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't like this situation at all. Um, we got top pair. Decent kicker. Heads up. But there are diamonds out there. Nothing else. That could be could be doing this on a draw. Whew, wow. This is such a hero call to make. And there's only one card to come, remember, too. So when yeah. you're thinking draws and stuff, there's and really one card there's to come. There's not much that could help us here other than, you know, another king or a jack. Um, and we have no way out of this if we're hopelessly behind. Okay, at this point of the hand of the week, I'm going to call a clock on you because that's what Anthony did after about 90 seconds. To yes. So I'm calling a clock on you. All right. Well, if he's calling the clock on me, I think that's a sign of weakness. So I'm going to call. Um, but I don't think that's the right move. Okay. I think so I'd probably, I'd probably fold here. All right. Hunter says it was an extremely difficult situation for the following reasons. I have to bet the turn with King of Hearts Jack of Clubs to deny equity to Anthony's XDXO plus pair slash gut shot slash open end straight draw combos, even though I know he's going to check shove the turn with a huge range of hands. He should hardly ever check shove the turn with Ace of Diamonds, X Diamonds, Queen of Diamonds, X of Diamonds, Ace of Diamonds, Ace X or Ace of Diamonds, King X, because those hands have an equity lock and they'll always make more money by check-calling the turn and allowing me to bluff the river or value bet too thin. Great. He should only check-shove the turn with two types of hands. First, he should check-shove the turn for value with strong hands that need protection like King, King, 10, 10, King, 10, uh, and 5, 5, 6 of Diamonds, 6 X, Ace, Ace, Off, uh, ace king off and king queen off which are rare the other hands he said were common king king 10 10 king 10 second he should check well, maybe shove small diamonds too i would say yeah that. yeah um secondly he should check shove the turn as a semi bluff with some hands that have a lot of equity against king x like ace of diamonds queen off ace of diamonds jack off ace of diamonds 10 off uh ace of diamonds 6 off ace of diamonds 5 off ace off queen of diamonds queen of diamonds jack offsuit and then uh let's see queen of diamonds nine off ace off jack of diamonds queen off jack of diamonds and then jack of diamonds nine off so he says ultimately i decided anthony's semi bluffs greatly outweighed the combos of uh suited cards uh or king king and ten ten um you know suited diamonds so that had me drawing. Uh, that had me drawing dead. Given the extreme pot odds and the small pay jumps, I only needed twenty-seven percent equity against his range to call. Hmm. And how do you how do you do all this in your head? I mean, seriously. Again, that's that's why we we had to get really lucky uh, <laughs> at these big tournaments. Yeah. I know. He says so. I stuck it in and got the bad news. I was drawing dead. Wow, wow. Anthony had king of spades, king of clubs. But he said, wow. fortunately, I was able to battle back from 12 big blinds uh, to eventually win the event. More than winning the event, I am proud of the fact that I didn't allow this devastating result to tilt me or cause me to lose focus. The river was the four of spades. Pot was 658,000. And ended up beating this guy in, heads up in the end for the title. Wow. Phenomenal comeback. Wow, Isn't that that's crazy? Cool. All right. So now what I'm curious about, I'm going back to where he raised and I wouldn't have. Um... Trying to figure out whether I would have lost more. Well, I can't lose any more money because right, he had you, all, you, all his money got in. I wonder if we could have been <clears throat> going all in here. So if we would have called like I would have on the flop, that so would have been twenty k, thirty thirty thousand less that we put in. Right. Um. So sixty thousand less in the pot. So that would be one hundred ten in the pot on the turn. Obviously, he's going to keep betting. He has to keep betting. Although he che- he checked it because we raised right. Right. All right, so he's gonna have he's gonna have to bet there now. Probably gonna bet. Oh, let's see. I said eighty, but he bet sixty five, right? He bet sixty five, but the pot was one seventy. Then now it'd be one ten. So the guy probably would bet right. something around. Now he's gonna bet around forty or fifty. 50, 40 yeah. Or 50. <clears throat> and again, I would just call. So let's say he bet 
fifty on the high side, so that's a hundred. So there'd be two ten in the pot on the river, which I don't think he shoves on the river because he doesn't know what we have. And if he yeah. wants to value yeah, bet, we might just call the value bet. Yeah, so he wants to he wants to get value. So under ten, of course, we don't know what what was on the river, but it doesn't really matter. It didn't change anything for us. So hmm. I don't think he gets it all in if we don't raise. You might I mean, be right. I, I completely agree or completely um, understand all of his reasoning for raising there, but again, results oriented. I think uh, had we kept the mystery up, he doesn't get it all in there, and we lose less, and are not put to it as gut wrenching of a decision too. Right. It's still going to be a tough decision on the end because now our hand wasn't defined, but we didn't help define his either. Right. So there's right. still some stream for both of us. Um, so I'm not going to be happy making that, that river call, whatever it is, but I'm going to be happier making that river call in the river or the turn call that we had to make in this scenario. Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, one of the things I think Hunter is probably happy about is that the fact that he did get knocked down to 12 big blinds might've changed the way he played after that. Probably. Had he had he lost less on this hand, he might've continued with the way he was playing at that point And maybe something different happens to him. Well, no, that's a good point because now you're down to 12 big blinds. Now you're in all-in-shove mode, right? So decisions are much easier to make, whereas if you would have folded at some point there and not been been still north of 20 big blinds, right, now it's a little bit more difficult. So now you have to really think about entering a pot, whether you're going to get yourself pot committed with a hand that you don't want to be pot committed with, right? So. Then I think the tendency at that point then is to tighten up too much, maybe for a lot of us. Um, and you're right; I think it does make it harder, harder to play at that point. Hmm. Very clear, though. That being said, being that short stack and all unfold, you have to you have to win a pot at that point to get back into it. Um, and you know, there's some skill in, in playing that short stack and when you shove and where you shove, uh, for sure. But um, you really you do need to get called at some point to get those chips. You know you you're not going to be able to continue shoving and building that stack back up just with blinds and the big lane ante. Right. Hmm. Wow. Pretty good. Yeah. Very good hand. Special thanks to Hunter for uh, not only being available for for Mike to interview, but to giving us this detailed breakdown of the hand of the week uh, yeah, for the good. hand of the week that he won. Yeah, great tournament, and uh, I'm glad he won it. And special thanks to Mike for for not only doing all this but sending it to us so all right i'm chris casenza and i'm scott long we'll see you at the tables anti up is a production of antiupmagazine.com contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344 if you'd like to advertise Send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.